I'd like for you all to join me in our prayer for guidance. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. And as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. The scripture today comes from the Revised Standard Version. If you want to follow on in the Pew Bible, it's on page 155. It's Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, and that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely than now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Fred. And if you have your Bible still, I invite you to keep them open because we're going to be going through um, some chapters in Genesis, and we're not going to go through uh, word for word through, but uh, an overview of about eight chapters, not eight or nine chapters there, that tell the story of Abraham and Lot. And the reason I, I chose the, the scripture that Fred just uh, just read is there is a connection between the idea that just at the right time Jesus Christ shows up when we were weak when we needed him most Jesus Christ shows up to redeem us uh, an act of God's grace and I, I've I heard recently and I've heard this uh, you know over the years a number of times for people that say well I don't like the Old Testament God Old Testament God is not a God of grace and I heard that exactly recently there's no grace in the Old Testament and so what I wanted to do today, and as we're looking at redemption, is the God of the Old Testament a redemptive God? Does he redeem our souls? Does he take our sins and, and, and wash them away? Or is he somehow a God who uh, was replaced by a nicer God in the New Testament, a God of grace and mercy and love? Or do we see that same God in the Old Testament? And I absolutely believe the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, is the very same God. As he interacts with people at different stages in the development of civilizations and as we do things within our cultures, uh, God is going to deal with us differently, obviously. But all along from the very beginning, from Genesis, Jesus Christ is in God's mind and heart. What he will do for us. And we'll see that in the story today. There's uh, some remarkable turns in this story that centers upon two people. These chapters 11 through 19 in Genesis center upon Abraham, or Abram at the very beginning. Eventually, along through this, his name is changed to Abraham, and his nephew, not Lot. And sometimes in the scriptures, as in any literature, when you have two people, two main characters, uh, one of them maybe is the dominant character, and the other one is there to serve as a contrasting figure so that you're going to see uh, the strength of the main character uh, reflected sometimes uh, in, the, in the weakness of the other character. So that's how Abraham and Lot, that's how the story goes between them. Abraham, a man of, of great faith, 
Uh, he's uh, referred to as Father Abraham. Uh, he, he is uh, considered the, the father of the nation of Israel. He's considered, uh, in, in Scripture, the one person uh, who we should all model our faith after. Uh, he was willing to sacrifice his own son, believing that God had a plan, that God had a way. Who knows the different things? Maybe he was thinking God could resurrect his son after he had died. Maybe he was thinking uh, that God somehow uh, would replace him and, uh, and still bless him and bless his son. He, he didn't know what was going on. All he knew was God had said, do this. And in faith, he was going to do it, not knowing what God had planned. And so then we have Lot over here, and we're going to see in Lot sort of a character who is a good man. He's considered a patriarch uh, uh, in the New Testament, in the epistles of Peter. Peter has good things to say about Lot, but we see he had his weaknesses and failings, as did Abraham, who was not perfect. You see, part of what we see in the Old Testament is God constantly working through people who have very good attributes. Uh, A David who has a passion for God, who longs for God, but at the same time, does some terrible things in his life, disobeys God, rebels against God in some ways that would seem uh, inexcusable and unforgivable. But the God of grace of the Old Testament, the God of mercy in the Old Testament, looks at folks like Abraham and Lot and David and Moses and others, and even in their weaknesses and failures, he's still able to redeem them and to use them for his purposes. So as we go to Genesis 11 here, All we're, all we're looking at in Genesis 11, uh, and this is towards the end of the chapter, the final verses there, Lot is introduced. He is the son of Haran. And uh, he is the, uh, Haran is a brother of Abraham, so Lot is uh, a nephew uh, to Abraham. And it, says, it tells us that uh, Abraham, or Abram at this point, was married to Sarah, and she was unable to have children. And Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his son Abram's wife, Sarah, his daughter-in-law, and they left Ur of the Chaldeans for the land of Canaan. And arriving at Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now this simply sets up for us the relationships and the idea that family is really important. As we go through the Old Testament, uh, the tribe the people who you are related to, is extremely important. And it remains important in the Jewish culture to this day. Uh, and so as a result, in the Bible, we have a lot of connections being made between different people. And this connection between Abram and a- 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 or Abraham and Lot is so important, we're going to see it play out later on, that Abraham is willing to risk his life and everything for the sake of Lot. Even when Lot has, in an essence, turned his back on Abraham. Still, in an act of grace and mercy, Abraham seeks after him. And the Lord said to Abram in uh, chapter 12, verse 1, uh, Leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I, will, uh, that I will show you. Can you imagine God saying to you one day, I want you to leave everybody, leave your, uh, leave, uh, you know, your family, and yeah, I, I want you to just go off to a land. I, I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is. I'm not going to show you any pictures of it right now, but later on you'll get an idea. I'm going to show it to you, and this is going to be your land. 
And Abraham just takes up and goes. He doesn't question at this time. He takes this. It says, Abram left just as the Lord told him. God had said that he was go- all the families of the earth are going to be blessed because of you, Abraham. And Lot went with him. Abraham was uh, 75 years old when he left. And he took his wife and his nephew and all their possessions, and they traveled through the land as far as the sacred place at Shechem at the Oak of Moreh. And the Canaanites lived in the land at that time. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I give this land to your descendants. Now, if you're wondering uh, where is Canaan, Canaan land, uh, you know, there are songs, old spiritual songs especially, that talked about, you know, that we're going to Canaan land, uh, the promised land. It's that land today, if you look on a map, that's primarily Israel and Palestine and those areas. This land is being promised to Abraham. And all the world will be blessed through your descendants. And someone is coming in those descendants who is going to be the ultimate blessing uh, and salvation to the world. And so over and over through these chapters, God keeps reminding Abraham that I am with you and I'm blessing the world through you. He makes covenants with with, uh, him all along the way on their journey. But as a... uh, as they travel uh, and uh, towards that land, uh, Abraham, when they were uh, arrive, he builds an altar to the Lord and he worships the Lord there. Uh, then Abram set toward set out toward the arid southern plain, making and breaking camp as he went. And then a famine struck the land, and Abram went down toward Egypt. Now I want you to notice something here. God had promised him this promised land, Canaan, and yet there's a famine, so he has to go down to Egypt. God's plans for us are not always just straight line. Sometimes there are bumps in the way. Sometimes there are detours along the way, but we keep the faith, right? I mean, I've known a lot of people. I've known a lot of churches. They get discouraged over time. Numbers begin to dwindle and resources begin to dwindle. And some of that grumbling, the rats in the walls begins to develop. And, and, you know, and and preachers decide, well, I, I... this apparently ain't the promised land for me. I'm looking for a new church. And, and the church says, we're looking for a new preacher. And, you know, or people start to go off. I'm looking for a new church. I'm leaving this church. I can't take it anymore. Because we expect things to be straight line. We, we expect God to continually give us sunny days and no rainy days. But, you know, we've got to have rainy days, right? And we've got to have times when God says, you know, uh, it's time for a detour. It's time for these people to learn something, to be strengthened, to grow from a little bit of a challenge. And God will throw those out. I believe he does. The main thing that we have to do, and this is what Abraham did, is keep the vision that God gives us and go straight ahead on that vision, even if along the way our daily lives have some bumps and some hard times in them. I'm, uh, the other uh, day I sat down and began uh, to write uh, something out uh, for my children. And... Uh, uh, I wanted them to know something, and it's, it's, a, it's about a two-year period in my life. And I realized that my son was away at college. He was up at West Point while all this was happening. And it occurred to me, I don't think he has any idea what went on back home during those two years about both of my parents passing away, about uh, me deciding to uh, leave the business and, 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 uh, and to become a pastor, about having to uh, sell the farm, about all the various things that were happening and the challenges that happened along the way and the unknowns and not knowing where in the world was God sending us. We had no idea up until a couple of months before we left where we were going to end up. And, and, and when the, when the uh, 
district superintendent called one day and said, Bob, I have a church for you. And I was so happy because he had been saying all along, there's maybe a 50-50 chance you'll get a church. And I kept saying, but I'm selling my business. How am I going to survive if I don't have a church? I don't have a job. I, you know, what, what's going to happen there? And he said, well, I'll keep trying. So finally he calls and says, I have a place for you. And he says, you homeschool your children, right? And I said, yeah. He said, that's good because the schools there are terrible. And, uh, and, then he, and then he says, it's Charlotte, Charlotte County. And I'm like, that is great. Thank you so much. And then I hung up and I said, Lydia, I said, we're going to Charlotte County. And she said, where is that? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> and we had no internet to check it out. Today you just go you get, and you'd find out all kinds of stuff in seconds. But So we pulled out a big old atlas and we got to United States and to Virginia. And we look and whew, way down there what they call South Central, but really, real south. Uh, if you know Farmville, it's further south than Farmville, okay? And uh, Keysville, that area in there. So anyways, and you're going to have three churches when you go down there, and you're, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, and, and then uh, to tell you the truth, and this is absolutely a fact, when I went down there, I was making 20% of what I had been making. So... It was a huge cut. And we were doing all this on faith, but there were a lot of troubles along the way and a lot of challenges along the way to where God finally just said to me, here's how it's going to work. You're going to come to a door, and you are going to stop. And when I choose to open the door, you're going to go through it. And there's going to be another door after that door. And then we're going to repeat this process over and over. You know, lather, rent. Rents repeat, you know, just over and over, this is how we're going to do it. And it gave me such peace to be able to do, do that whole process knowing that it's God who's in control. It's God who's opening and closing these doors for me. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I look back over that two years, I don't know how we got everything done. I had a great wife alongside me to help out during that time. And uh, that was by God's grace. I don't know how we did everything that we did. And somehow ended up in a place that, even though it was a little dot on a map that most people have never heard of, it was the second least populated county in Virginia. A lot of tobacco and timber, uh, but not a whole lot else. And, you know, uh, we had to go out of the county to find a grocery store. So, uh, you know, we're, we're down there, and I'm looking around, and I'm saying, we've come to Canaan. We're in the promised land. These three beautiful little churches here. Yeah, there's some rats in the wall, but we'll get rid of those rats. No, no. no. But, you know, that's the thing about God's grace. And as we look in the Old Testament, continually these stories, and I think this is what Abraham was doing, God is sending him to places, and he's wandering around here, but God has given him a promise, and he's holding on to the promise, saying God's going to open the way. He'll provide the way for me. If I'm just faithful to him. Now, as we continue on through here, we, we come along to a, an occurrence where finally they have arrived in Canaan land. Uh, they've left Egypt and they've gone back to this land. And they get there and it's a wonderful place, but the problem is it's overpopulated. And Lot at this time and, and Abraham, while they were down in Egypt, they became kind of wealthy and they accumulated a lot of servants and they had a lot of herdsmen and they had a lot of cattle and they had a lot of sheep and they had a lot of children, and, except for Abraham. You know, he's still waiting, but old Lot's over here. He's got daughters. He's, you know, he's doing fine. 
And then one day, uh, the conflict between the herdsmen, all the, the, the shepherds and all, are constantly in conflict, arguing with each other over the land where they should be pasturing. And so finally, uh, Lot and Abraham get together, and Abraham says, you know, this ain't worth it. We're family. We can't have the continual fighting. We, we're, we're chewing each other up. Let's go ahead and separate out. Yeah, we'll still be neighbors. But you go ahead and you choose uh, left or right, north or south. You choose the land that you want. And if you go left, I'll go right. I give you the choice. Now, in the customs of the Middle East at that time, to give the younger person, that nephew, that right was a big act of grace. That was a great gift by Abraham. But Lot should have turned it down. He should have said, no, uncle, you make the choice. You're the eldest, it's your choice to make. But Lot, very eagerly, it says that his eyes went up, and he looked out, and he could see this nice land, not north or south in Canaan, but to the east, towards Sodom. And it was beautiful. It reminded him of the, of the green fields of Egypt. And so he decided, mm, that's where I'm going. So he took the entire Jordan Valley. Now, if you were choosing here between some farmland up on the mountaintop or down in the valley, which are you going to choose? And what he did was he left, he left the mountains, he left the hills for his uncle, and he took the great valley land. But here's the thing. There was Sodom. There was Gomorrah. There were these cities over there. And apparently Lot was something of a city boy. And he, he, uh, he kind of liked that idea of being around the city. There was something about the cities that he liked. Abraham, on the other hand, Lot gives his uh, decision. Uh, Abraham's just fine, of it, uh, fine with it. And uh, it says that the Lord said to Abraham, after they divided up, said, from the place where you are standing, look up and gaze to the north and the south and the east and the west, because all the land that you see I give you and your descendants. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about this division of things, because all this is going to be your, yours and your descendants. Uh, it says, stand up and walk around through the length and the breadth of the land, because I am giving it to you. And I think that's something... Lot looks out. It doesn't say that God said anything to him. It doesn't say that he, he conferred with God. It doesn't say he prayed about it. Lot looks out and he judges by his eyes. He looks out and he sees this beauty, this physical beauty, this outward beauty. And he sees this powerful city, this rich place. And I think he's obsessed. There are indications he's a little upset, obsessed with wealth. And he can get rich quicker close to the city than he can further away. So he's judging everything by the human heart, by the eyes, by what he can see, by his senses. Then Abraham, he's judging everything according to God. And God is giving him eyes to see the future. Lot's not seeing the future. And that's going to be a big disaster for Lot. When Abraham goes to God... And here's him. Here's what Abraham does. So Abraham packed his tent and went and settled by the oaks of Mamre in Hebron. There he built an altar to the Lord. Doesn't say he argued. Doesn't say that he he wept over losing that great farmland. Says he went to where God directed him. He just picked up his stuff and went. And then he built an altar to worship the Lord.
He gave thanks to God. He didn't murmur. He didn't sit there regretting. Uh, he, he, he said, this is it. God has put me in a good place. And why is it good? Because God is here. Now we go to, to chapter 14. We have a battle. I won't go into everything there. There's a lot of great names there. Uh, I, I was almost, Fred made this the, the scripture text for the day because I wanted you to say names like Ch- Chedorlomir and Ashtaroth Karnium and, and so forth. I can't even say them. Uh, but there's some great names here, but they're the names of the, of the kings of the cities of this area because they enter into a big battle. And the battle spreads over. Uh, remember that uh, Lot is over around Sodom, and Sodom, uh, the king of Sodom, is one of the main characters in this, in this war. And uh, he's in revolt against the king that they're all subservient to, and they lose the war. And Lot gets caught up in it, and he, is, and he and his family get dragged away as captives now, and they've lost everything. So somebody comes and tells uh, Abraham, reports to him, and says uh, uh, a survivor arrived, and he told Abraham, uh, he says uh, that you have a relative who has been captured. So Abraham, knowing this is Lot, he takes all his loyal men born in his household, 318 of them, and they go as far as Dan, and during the night he and his servants divided themselves up against, uh, against the, the kings who had taken Lot captive. They attacked and they chased them, and he brought back all the looted property together with his relative Lot and Lot's property, wives, and people. So here, Lot, in an act of grace by God, and that act of mercy by Abraham has made a choice to align himself with Sodom. But when things go bad for Sodom and in turn for Lot, what happens? Abraham, his uncle, says, I'm not letting this happen. He's still family. And he goes off after him, and God gives him a great victory. And then, and then it's interesting, the king of, the king of Sodom uh, tries to make a, a deal with, uh, with Abraham, and he says, listen, um, uh, I will, uh, I'll give you all the stuff, all the loot from the battle. You get to keep everything. Just give me the people. In other words, I want the slaves. I want the people. Abraham says, no, I don't want your money. I don't want anything from you because I don't want people saying that I grew wealthy because of you. I want them to know that my wealth has come because of God. God has blessed me. And so uh, there are other things in here just pointing to that absolute trust of Abraham and God in contrast to what's happening to Lot. Now, uh, with time drawing down here, the last few chapters of this, there's some familiar things. You remember Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt because she looks back at Sodom as it's being destroyed. Uh, she, uh, her heart is still back there in Sodom. Uh, there are some terrible things that happen. There's a, a gang rape that tries to take place, and Lot tries to stand up against these men, and uh, angels come, and uh, the whole uh, story there winds around the fact that Lot keeps uh, uh, his heart is captured enough by Sodom, even though he's still a believer in God, even though he's still a righteous man in many ways, but he cannot pull away from that attraction to Sodom. He hesitates when the angels tell him, uh, who are now in the form of men, they come and tell him, you need to get out of here, and he hesitates. And, 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 and he tries to convince his son-in-laws who are married to his daughters, he tries to convince them to leave with them, and they're laughing. They think he's telling a joke. 
And so Lot uh, scoots out of there with his uh, couple of daughters and his wife. His wife turns to a pillar of salt. Now he's got his daughters, his daughters who have grown up there in Sodom, and they've been influenced by Sodom and all too. Uh, they're afraid. They're hiding in a cave with their dad. They're afraid that there aren't any men left in the world. They've all been destroyed, and that their dad's the only one left, and they need to have children. So they get their dad drunk, and without him knowing it, they become pregnant with his children. Now, here's where I'm going to end up on this interesting note. I mean, y'all thought Hosea was rough, okay, uh, with God telling him to marry the prostitute. One of those children who Lot's daughters have, one of his grandchildren, or I guess now he's the father, so not technically, one of his children is named Moab. Moab has a descendant named Ruth. Who is a descendant of Ruth? David. Who is a descendant of David? Jesus. Don't tell me that God's grace, and at times his sense of humor, doesn't show up in the Old Testament. God takes things that are broken, and he uses them to make great things. Great acts of mercy. To bring the Redeemer of the world to us through Lot is an incredible thing. And we should learn something from that, shouldn't we? We should learn that those times when we say, well, God can't use that person or God can't use me or whatever, God can use anyone. And God can use it, take our brokenness and make beautiful things out of it. God redeems us, folks. And he can redeem anyone and anything. Never think that you have done something that God cannot forgive you for. Abram was a man of faith. And some people would say he deserved God's love, but he didn't. He was still a sinner. There are still times, and I didn't go into those times, where he shows some weakness. But God doesn't hold that against him. He doesn't demand perfection from him. Instead, he says, I can use that. I can show you my love and my mercy by taking all these things and somehow working them around to good so that one day, as we heard in Romans 5 earlier from Fred, that Jesus Christ would come at just the right time when we needed him the most. Give praise to God, the God of grace and the God who is a redeemer. Give praise for those two men we talked about this morning, both of whom were not perfect, but both of whom, including Lot, did have faith in God, even though Lot struggled with the attraction to the culture around him. Sometimes putting that culture first. But God did not give up on him. And in the end, Lot was redeemed. And amen. Our song of invitation this morning is Trust and Obey. Uh, What a great song as we sing it to think about Abraham. Trusting and obeying and walking with the Lord. I pray that that will be, uh, be our Uh, heart's desire this morning. And let me say something. I believe that 90% of us are Lot. I'm Lot. Okay? We may all want to say, oh, I want to identify with Abraham. It may be more than 90%. Most of us are Lot. We want to have God, and we want to also have the culture and the pleasures of it. We want to be able to indulge in the things of the world that we really enjoy and, and that, uh, you know, just seem to be uh, harmless things. 
But some of the things we think are, are, harm, are harmless aren't so harmless. And some of the things that we indulge in draw us away from God, and we have to be careful about that. There was nothing sinful about living near Sodom. But the effect and the influence of Sodom upon Lot was destructive to his relationship with God. And so we all need that redemptive power of Jesus Christ in our lives to draw us back to God and restore us to him. Let's stand and sing together, trust and obey. Holy Father, as we leave this place, may we leave, Father, surrendering our will to yours. Father, knowing the joy of allowing you to determine our path and allowing you, Father, to determine all that happens along that path. Father, we pray that we would indeed trust and obey you this day. Father, that we would allow faith to be our foundation, faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, in whose name we pray, and amen.